0: Welcome to another episode of A People's Theology. I'm the host of A People's Theology, Mason Meninga. In this episode, I talk with Dante Stewart. Dante is a writer and speaker whose voice has been featured on CNN, The Washington Post, Sojourners, and many more. As an up and coming voice, he writes and speaks into the areas of race, religion, and politics. Also, musically featured throughout this episode is 218. 218 is an indie pop project from Missouri. You can get connected with Dante and 218 and their work in the links in the episode description. If you're a fan of a people's theology, it would bring me no greater joy than if you gave the podcast a five-star rating and review. Tell me what you like about the podcast. Also, if you feel so inclined, please support my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Mason Meninga. There are multiple tiers with wonderful rewards, including papers I write to even a book club. Enough of my rambling. Enjoy more inspiring and liberating theology. We back home From your parents' place I Today I have Dante Stewart, and Dante does lots of things in the world, like corralling a kid uh, and making sure that they're in a, a separate room. Playing and everything outside of our, our recording space, but uh, you do lots of things in the world, including I, I think some of the work that you're doing on Twitter and on Instagram and your writing in general is is some of the best out there, uh, and I really appreciate your work. So anyway, Dante, you do lots of things in the world, but who is Dante Stewart to Dante Stewart?
1: Oh, bro, come on, bro. That's like that's like the philosophical question of philosophical question. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is that is. <laughs> You know that is that is quite the depth of question to begin to begin with. But in some sense, you know, who is Dante? Dante's Stewart? Wow, ah, wow. You know, I thought that that would have been an easy question to add, answer. But in some sense, you know, it's I'm I'm somebody who you know, in some sense, is is, is trying to learn, trying to grow, mm. uh, trying to stand in the world, you know, as as, as meaningfully as possible as I can carve out a space, you know. For, for, for loving us, loving black folk. Uh, but also, you know, I wanna make sure, you know, that you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's my family, you know, I got a family mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of this kind of public world. And, and it's about, you know, really, I call every day, every single day I write down, you know, how can I fill the love tank uh, in my own family life? Um, and so in some sense, you know, that's probably who I am. I'm trying to fill the love tank in my own self, Uh, in my family, in my world, in our world together uh, and and, and for black folk, you know, Mm -hmm. it's probably the best way to describe somebody who's trying to take whatever water I got, you know, through reading and through praying and through conversing and wrestling and things like that and try and fill up, you know, the love tank for everybody as much as possible.
0: One of the things I've noticed about your work is that you kind of take all that you're learning from something like Black Liberation Theology, for example, and talk about it in ways that connect to lots of people who are maybe outside of academia. And I think that's some a really extraordinary gift and skill that you have. What is it about that kind of work that really impassions you?
1: Yeah. Yo, first off, thank you for having me on this joint, you know. <laughs> You know, I got it. I mean, I'm I'm Pentecostal, so I got to say, you know, first get oh, on. Uh, I get it.
0: to The shepherd of this house, uh, uh, Bishop Mason. If you if you need to do some whooping, feel free to do some whooping. Do what you need.
1: <laughs> and to the shepherd, to the shepherd of this beautiful edifice, uh, 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 But man, you know, it, it kind of grew, bro. If I'm honest, man, it grew out of multiple things, for real. But but on on the one level. Of course, it grew out of my own personal life, you know, my own personal study and my own personal thinking. Um, you know much of much of my story, I ain't going to kind of get into that joint, but, like you know, because it just take too 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 long, but you know, I was in the white evangelical world for so long. you know, I was raised black Pentecostal, my parents are the baby of the civil rights and black revolution.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, and really, my mom and dad came of age. Uh, in the Black Revolution uh, uh, moment in the '70s, uh, in the time of Black Power, and they came of age in the AME Church uh, and the Baptist Church, respectively. Uh, where in the Black Church, you know, you kind of had this kind of, you know, how what how Black is Black, and, and you know, moving from Negro to Black uh, uh, in the '60s and the '70s, and this kind of negotiation of Blackness and the struggle of Blackness. But in some sense, you know, they 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 became Black. Uh, uh, in that moment, with so many black folk. And so there was both this kind of political uh, and religious consciousness that my parents you know raised us in. Then, through school going to Clemson, I got involved in white evangelical spaces and really you know kind of got immersed in that world um, and 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 took on the frameworks of that world. Mm. Uh, uh took on the theological narratives of that world, both the faith and the life story so you know i was inside of evangelicalism and the faith story that evangelicalism you know told me i that was the way i interpreted my life story um uh, or whatnot and so you know when i kind of went through my own personal a uh, uh, conversion moment again, you know, I like to say, you know, I don't know when I was converted to Jesus, you know, but I do know when I was converted to being Black. Mm. Uh, and That would have been doing the shootings of 2016 and the Trump presidency, mm. uh, being in the evangelical space with all those kind of things going on. And so, you know, as those things were going on, that's when I got introduced to James Baldwin and Martin Luther King and things like that. And that really kind of, you know, kind sh- of shifted my own story. Uh, and how I thought about myself, and how I thought about the world, and uh, even went on what would be my own hodge mm. uh, or whatnot to the uh, National uh, uh, Museum of African American Arts, History, and Culture, one of my own pilgrimages there uh, uh, or, or whatnot, because it was always the struggle of trying to find myself, trying to navigate what does it mean to be Black and Christian. Because in the evangelical space, wow, that was crazy. Um, in, in, in the evangelical space, uh, you know, black, blackness is taken for granted. Uh, it is something that's other, it is something that is to be diminished, right. distanced from, and in some sense to be destroyed. Uh, uh, the body is to be destroyed in this place. And so I, I was trying to find a way to speak about, you know, being both black and, and Christian and trying to really, even to this day, wrestle with that. And so like, I saw, you know, in the social media space, what many people thought about black folk was more so, you know, particularly with black Christianity was more so black evangelicals. Um, and, and, and that was, I mean, that's a part of blackness and black Christianity uh, and a very meaningful part of black Christianity, but that you know that if that's the only main entry point and the and the and the greatest entry point that you have, then you will in some sense necessarily have a skewed view not only of blackness but also of this ongoing conversation between black folk and Christian faith and the long uh, historical tradition of, of 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 both of those realities. Uh, and so, you know, as I started reading James Cone and Womanist theology and J.D. Otis Roberts. Uh, and even reading Gary Dorian's incredible book, uh, Breaking White Supremacy, uh, you know, over time, I was like, man, I got to like I, I. it wasn't even like no noble calls of like, you know, I want to, you know, get I want to be that one in that space. But it was just like, you know, I mean, this is stuff I'm learning. I want to put some threads together and work yeah. out some ideas and mm-hmm. just, you know, I felt like, you know, that was my thing. It's just like I'm kind of thinking in public. Uh, and so. You know, stuff that I was reading and stuff that I was thinking, you know, whether it was Black literature or Black liberation theology or Black poetry or the Black arts, uh, I kind of wanted to, in some sense, you know, invite people into the kind of wrestling and thinking that I was doing. And so, you know, over time, it just became a thing on on social media. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. like a noble thing. It was just, you know, it was a thing. It just kind of happened, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, I kept writing and kept thinking and kept, you know, putting things in threads and, you know, people started sharing it and people started loving it. And, you know, I, I felt though that I had a responsibility though to center Black folk and to love us and mm-hmm, to
0: mm-hmm. kind
1: of take on these kind, of, I'm gonna use a big word real quick, these kind of epistemological narratives mm-hmm. uh, of Black folk to take seriously that the Black world is a real world and the Black production of knowledge is a real production of knowledge and can be a legitimate starting point, not only for theological imagination and reflection, but a legitimate starting point as it relates to a meaningful social location by which we should, in some sense, converse with. You know, that kind of philosophical theoretical part was a part of my kind of public space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also, you know, I was kind of inviting people into you know, uh, things on reading, thinking and wrestling. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very, uh, prevalent. I think throughout your work, it's very obvious that like, not only are you talking about like kind of denouncing, uh, dismantling white supremacy, but also it's very obvious that like you're trying to cultivate a space where black folk can survive and not just survive, but thrive and, and be a part of a beloved community, um, and that's so very obvious, I think, in your work. And that's part of the reason why I love it is the way that you're able to sort of balance between those two, that um, that there is kind of this necessary work of dismantling white supremacy, but there also is this really constructive work of building up what a black community, a black beloved community, a black theology, a black liberation theology looks like. And you're doing those, I think, remarkably well.
1: Yeah, thank you. And that's real, that's real, bro. I think, you know, for me... You know, I, I don't have a problem with this at all. Like 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 I don't have an issue with this kind of lingo uh, at, at all, like the whole kind of language, the language and the practice of deconstruction. for many people, it it is a pejorative uh, in some sense to to use against, you know, Christians who are willing to question and willing to dialogue, who are courageous enough, you know, to embrace the kind of uh, confusing, complexing, and constructive history of our Christian faith and the ways in which, you know, so much of the politics of the state and the politics of power, in some sense, you know, guided what we thought about, you know, our own faith, our traditions and our interpretation and frameworks. Um, But in some sense, you know, I never really considered, um, you know, my own kind of, you know, I never in some sense took that language on myself just because Mm -hmm. in some sense, You know, yes, in some sense, my my faith was being deconstructed, like Cone that he he said in some sense, you know, uh, and 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 said I wasn't going to tell nobody. He said, you know, black my my own black theology dealt with uh, and began with, you know, deconstruct deconstructing kind of white narratives Mm -hmm. and and the racist white narratives. But also, I think I I think of myself if I can even use this kind of language. I know it, it makes me kind of weird even using this. Language for myself, but it is it is what it is, you know. In some sense, you know, my my space is public theology, so it is Mm -hmm. doing, in some sense, theological work. So in some sense, like I am, in practice and in the performance of my faith, a public theologian, Mm -hmm. Uh, or whatnot. And I felt like, you know, that that, you know, I wanted to imagine better for all of us. You know, I didn't want to just, you know, in some sense you know, I didn't want to just, you know, become, you know, white people's next deconstructionist. Mm, Like,
0: mm. and
1: I, it just makes me cringe when I think about that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just something that just really, that did not want to become, uh, is, is, is white people's newfound, you know, deconstructionists who, uh, can kind of feel the vacuum of their own kind of you know emotional trauma that they need to work out with a therapist, um, but also you know I did not want to, uh, I, in some sense, become evangelical's next poster child. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't about that action. You know I wasn't, and I am not a black evangelical uh, 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 in, in the ways that 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 tradition, that black tradition, has been worked out uh, as a meaningful religious. Uh, narrative uh, in in American public life. Uh, I just felt that, you know, that there was so much to theology, to do theology uh, is in some sense, fundamentally, you know, imagining a better story than the one we're offered. And that's my whole theological take is, you know, my, my, my kind of constructive theological framework, which includes deconstructing both bad, racialized, as well as uh, theologized narratives uh, uh, that diminishes our personhood uh, and devalues uh, our, 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 the beauty of our kind of mind and experience. Uh, but I also you know, wanted to you know, do constructive theological imagining uh, in the vein of you know, Rowan Williams. I was reading Rowan Williams the other day. Uh, and there was this really good joint that he wrote in Being Disciples, where, you know, being a disciple is about, um, he, he said that that joint was about holiness, uh, was about uh, uh, looking uh, and exploring and enlarging, and enla- enlarging. I was about to say enlarging, that's terrible grammar, <laughs> uh, looking, um, uh, exploring and enlarging. Enlar- enlarging. Well, I keep saying enlarging. It. That's so weird. That that sounds like it's right. But yeah, but I think I think for me, you know, I want to point people to looking at Black life. So I want to put body on whatever theological language that we use um, uh, uh, or whatnot. So to, to think about Sean Copeland, that, that the body provokes theology mm-hmm. uh, and inflection freedom, and that the body uh, in some sense can become. I know people kind of you know kind of this this language well, in evangelical spaces, uh, and that's not necessarily the community that you are in, but I think in some sense, people would listen uh or connect be connected to that space, but you know, people have trouble uh, with the language of revelation, uh, um, but I do think. You know, theology to do theology is always about this revealing work mm-hmm. uh, 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 to do theology, to be Christian is to always in some sense looking for the places of divine revelation uh, and exploring those pa- places in the most constructive, humble and anticipatory way possible and looking at ways that we can enlar- enlarge enlarge. Our, our view of experience in the world, uh, as we try to stand in the world as meaningfully Christian, um, as well as trying to make a more loving and just society uh, with those who are inside and outside of our faith tradition. Um, and so, for me, it was like you know I didn't want to become a poster child, nor did I want to become uh, someone's next you know uh, deconstructionist, mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. someone's next target. Like I mm-hmm. like. I didn't, I don't want to just, you know, focus on white supremacy, you know, I ain't trying, you know, you know, there's a certain type of blackness uh, and, and Christianness uh, that, that, that simply, you know, wants to dismantle white supremacy and, 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 you know, they become the next target for white evangelicals.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I did not want to become that, you know, I wanted to, you know, yes, be my own person, but also, you know, I wanted to say, you know, I'm a part of a long tradition and community mm-hmm. of people trying to imagine better Mm -hmm. um, or whatnot. And I think there's, you know, much good public theological work to be done and even Mm -hmm. constructive theology, theological work to be done as well.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the articles you wrote last year that really still has struck me is the the article you wrote about the spiritual virtue of black rage. You Mm -hmm. wrote it sort of in the advent or in the time of the protests happening and the murder of George Floyd. I live in Minneapolis, and so I was just... Miles away from where he was killed. Wow. I am so interested. What are the ways, or in what ways, is black rage a spiritual virtue?
1: Mm. Mm. Great question. Great question. Um, well, for me, I, I think I look at black rage as a as a um, interdisciplinary, or um, uh, 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 whatnot. So I, I think any any type of concept I try and use, I, I try and think in an interdisciplinary way. And so, for me, you know, if we're talking about biblically and exegetically, uh, to use if, if to use those terms, uh, or, or whatnot, I think we can look at I, I read the story of Moses and you know and, and Nehemiah particularly um, and Jesus uh, through this kind of logic of 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 rage. Can, what can we? The question becomes. You know what? We can't just simply say that rage or anger uh, uh, used interchangeably uh, is simply bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, You know, the Bible, you know, uh, says, you know, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. So we can't just say. I think that's paul uh, oh what not might be Jesus uh, I, you know I don't know <laughs> oh well I think that's paul <laughs> gave that epistolatory uh kind of language of you know be angry and do but do not sin um or whatnot so we have to ask if we're kind of doing kind of a literary analysis uh, uh and doing a close reading if we want to be honest about kind of our exegetical work and, and Here's me kind of taking on that theolo- theologian kind of lens real quick. If I could put on that hat uh, 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 of kind of an interpreter of script- scripture and, and kind of doing literary analysis. You know, when we think about the word rage or anger um, and, and we have to say, OK, well, how how is this word kind of used in the biblical text and in, in, mm-hmm. in, in the Hebrew Bible, as well as uh, the New Testament Christian scriptures? Uh, or, or whatnot, and what can be discerned from this language of anger? Is it a working language? Is it is it, you know, how is it used in context? Uh, and one of the things, you know, that, that struck me, um, particularly when I read Nehemiah and Nehemiah chapter five and chapter six, and even Moses uh, or, or whatnot, even Jesus, but particularly Nehemiah, uh, was when Nehemiah, um, you know, went back to Jerusalem after leaving Bab- the Babylonian empire, uh, he saw the things that were around and he said he looked at it and he was angry he said he thought about it and he was angry at what was happening uh, and he was angry not simply you know because of the situation of this kind of imperialist violence uh, and this kind of systematic evaluation of his people but he also was angry because of this system that was at work that constantly told his people that they were second-class citizens that exploited their labor and disrespected them. So that's kind of me using Charles Mill's philosophical framework in a racial contract. If I'm to think about the racial contract and interpreting, you know, conversing the racial contract with uh, uh, Nehemiah's uh, uh, narrative, uh, I think Nehemiah was angry at that. It was they, his people were seen as second-class citizens. Uh, They were exploited and they were disrespected. So the Bible says that Nehemiah was angry. And so for me, theologically and exegetically, I was looking at that joint and I was saying, you know, that 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 anger and rage, you know, wasn't, you know, uh, the antithesis, you know, of 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 spirituality or spiritual virtue. But it was a very fundamental thing that allowed Nehemiah to embrace the call of God on his life, but also embrace his own personal responsibility to his people, to love them, and to create a world where they feel felt seen, inspired, and protected. And so for me, doing that kind of work of like even Moses, it wasn't, you know, God didn't correct his anger that sent him to uh, Midian. Uh, but God, in some sense, helped him re narrate that story of anger in his own life and reimagine his anger and his rage and allowed it to become that very thing that would become a part of what we would see to be a very important and fundamental liberation narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the people of God uh, 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 or whatnot. And so, you know, theologically and exegetically, that's where I kind of come from. You know, where where does Black rage play in? As I think about, you know, our stories and how we read the Bible, uh, Rowan Williams would say, you know, that the Bible, you know, it is it's like a parable of God to us and a parable mm-hmm. of people. To us, throughout history, it's like you know, where do you find this yourself in this story, and where can you imagine yourself mm-hmm. in your world, uh, and how do you respond based on your, your your wrestling and conversing with this text? And so, as I thought about black life and black reality and even black you know rage, I saw in some sense you know real fundamental ways of a connection between Nehemiah. Uh, and his anger, his rage, and my own connection to my own people, and the love that I should have for Black folk uh, now, today. Uh, now, historically speaking, you know, June Jordan would say that you know uh, that in her book Technical Difficulties, she said that one of the kind of misnarrated parts of the '60s was the justice of rage, and that mm-hmm. rage was the very fundamental thing that expanded freedoms. Uh, you know, rage, you know, becomes in some sense, you know, a a, a kind of theological truth that God does not forget us and that God uh, created us as humans and humans uh, to be loved and humans to be protected. And that uh, very fundamentally to our humanity is the ability to be honest about the things that make us angry and to collectively come together and to produce a world whereby which we can feel loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that rage become the way that we kind of imagine a better world together. That we can imagine a more democratic and more equal and more loving society and so historically that was the case but politically you know as i thought about black, black power uh, and even philosophically about black power and black rage and that it was in some sense you know this idea that black people are human but the black world is a real world and it should be a world that should be taken seriously and so as king and and, and black power advocates as well as in some sense you know, uh, 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 people of the likes of uh, uh France Fanon or uh, 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 whatnot in the ways in which they narrated the Black world as a real world and even the Black poets of the Black arts movement mm-hmm. uh, of seeing the Black world as a real world as even the boys in the early uh, 1900s so would see the Black world as a real world. I think rage wakes, shakes us out of our apathy uh, and it becomes both a theological, political, ph- philosophical Uh, and in some sense, an existential way of not only saying that God cares about black people and love black people and believe that black people should have a voice, but also I think even thinking about, you know, womanist uh, uh, rhetoric and Alice Walker and the many Mm -hmm. woman theologians would say that black rage in some sense would in some sense invite us to see the wounds of black life and to turn them into real worlds. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, for me, as I think about it interdisciplinarily, uh, if that's a word, uh, not just theologically, uh, but also literarily and philosophically and historically and politically, and I think about all these worlds together, I see rage as not something that will destroy us. It can destroy us, uh, as Baldwin would say. You know, if I'm just simply consumed by my rage then I cannot create, uh, but rage uh, as as a vehicle. Uh, of a way to meaningfully love, as a way to stand in solidarity with, as a way to cultivate a certain type of imagining that is profoundly human and profoundly ordinary, but profoundly hopeful, uh, can become that which, you know, in some sense allows us to take seriously the worlds of others and to say that God does not forget you and we should not as well. And so that's kind of, you know, what kind of made me kind of write that Mm. joint even this ongoing conversation that that I'm having with myself as I think about myself as meaningfully Christian and trying to wrestle with, you know, what does it mean to take seriously rage as a spiritual virtue, uh, but also trying to understand it uh, with the ways in which other people have thought about rage and the justice of our rage and the love of our rage uh, and ways in which we can correct uh, 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 unhelpful ways of, uh, of embracing our rage and how can we imagine uh, better for us and rage as a way to really, you know, liberate us and love us some seriously. I just want to share the
0: world of reasons for why one would want to maybe leave Christianity these days, but what is it about the story of Jesus that compels you to remain Christian?
1: Mm, Man, that's such a good, that man, that's so good. That's so good. You know, you know, I I, I could, you know, you know, theologically and and, and philosophically, you can give all these kind of arguments of, you know, what one believes about Jesus and what one, you know, one should believe about Jesus, but I think, you know, for me, you know, yeah, I think about the experience of Jesus in my own folk that I come from in the Black rural South, you know, it it wasn't a theological argument, it wasn't, you know, in in some sense, a a, a, even a poetic narration of of our stories, uh, our Black stories with the story of Jesus together, Uh, but I think, you know, as as I think about my mama and my daddy and my grandma, my granddad, and all the Black folk that I grew up with, you know, they found deep meaning uh, in this liberating and loving story of Jesus. They found deep meaning in in this story, in the narratives of Jesus coming to preach good news of compassion and liberation and, and Jesus, uh, in some sense, performing know, as Paul Tillich would say, his ultimate concern. Mm So to speak of, you know, the faith of Jesus as as Harvey Cox so wonderfully wrote about. uh, I don't think it diminishes the divinity of Jesus at all uh, or or, or whatnot. I think in some sense it expresses uh, the beauty of both uh, uh, in performance and in dancing together of Jesus's ultimate concern of standing in solidarity with the oppressed in his society, Uh, uh, with a universal love and a understanding and a profound commitment uh, to a just and loving future uh, together and a better life and faith story than the kind of story that the religious leaders held out for people in that time, as well as the stories that the state held out for them as well. And I think about that, bro, and, you know, I want to take seriously uh, uh, the the religion that my people come from, the black religion that they came from, or uh, 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 whatnot. That that even as you know, as, as as Charles Long would say, you know, there was nothing primitive, you know, about uh uh, uh about about the religion of black folk. Uh, in some sense, there was something beautifully prophetic about it. And so, you know, I hold on to Jesus. You know, because I have found meaning in that story as well. I found meaning in Jesus' story about, you know, the ways in which we can imagine better for ourselves. Man, I, you know, I, you know, I used to think in, in some ways that Christianity, you know, was about having the right answers and and giving the right philosophical answers and, you know, narrating the story in the best ways possible. But, you you, you know, when I'm when I'm when I'm finding out more, is it, that Christianity, you know, as, as as I find in Jesus and as I try and wrestle with other people. You know, it's about standing in the world as meaningfully Christian uh, and trying not to create a Christian nation, uh, but joining others and creating a more loving and just society, uh, helping us you know, to explore more of our humanity and, and, and more of our neighbor and more of God and more of the world. Uh, this wonderful world, uh, uh, this wonderful uh, book, uh, Kiese uh, Layman put me on, The World of Wonders, Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name uh, or, or whatnot, but the book is entitled The World of Wonders. And so in some sense, you know, I hold on to Jesus because Jesus has given me a meaningful way of looking and listening and exploring and enlarging enlarging or enlarging, enlarging. I keep saying that. That just sounds, that sounds good. And it sounds right.
0: We're going to get it nailed down at some point.
1: <laughs> okay. It, so- it just sounds good. And it sounds no, right.
0: You're right. You're right.
1: Uh, 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 <laughs> or whatnot. But I think, you know, Jesus has given me a, a meaningful way of entering the world, you know, as Willie Jennings would say, uh, as a learner and not as, you know, a teacher. Uh, You know, Jesus enters, God enters the world as a learner. Uh, And I think we take this for granted that, you know, Jesus, you know, in some sense, what does it mean to grow in wisdom and stature and for the God we find meaning in to stand in the human world and to grow up as well and to learn how to love and to learn how to fail in some sense? Uh, 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 or uh, 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 whatnot. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a theologian, don't know how to speak to, you know, the kind of arguments about, you know, the the, the <laughs> whether God can fail or not, but you know, the the or, or the kind of you know historical arguments about the humanity and divinity of Jesus. But you know, for someone to, to 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 learn how to be in the midst of human suffering and human failure, and to understand that as as in 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 the most uh, uh honest ways possible while also pointing us to that which god holds out to us as better for us as better for others and, and in some sense you know pushing us more to our neighbors and to embracing our own selves and our own complicated and confused uh humanities but also you know offering you know that better life and faith story than, than the ones that we are offered you know that's what kind of keep me holding on and keep me you know, um, keep me embracing and being embraced. You know, it's not about, you know, grand fine standing arguments, uh, but it's, you know, in some sense trying as best I can to experience and show more of Jesus each and every day, you know, as I stand in the world, you know, as black and Christian and male and married uh, (laughs) or whatnot and husband and father and all these things and all these intersecting identities. Uh, or, or whatnot. So yeah, yeah. I hope that answered your question mm-hmm. as best I could.
0: It may be obvious, Dante, but how is your work both inspiring and liberating theological work?
1: So how is it both inspiring and liberating theological work?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Wow. Well, in some sense, you know, how is it both inspiring and liberating theological work? So I want to think about that as a verb. Like, how am I, you know, inspiring and liberating theology or mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> whatnot? That's, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I think mm-hmm. I, can, I can flip that question a few ways. We can think about it, you know, as a verb. How am I personally inspiring and liberating theology? I want to say, you know, that, you know, I've been in so many theological and religious worlds or uh, 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 whatnot, and even now kind of at the intersection of so many of those worlds, and I see that so much of theology, you know, in some sense, you know, reduces as Celeste, uh, uh, she, she is a director and writer, I think, um, uh, or, 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 or what not Asian American sister. Uh, she, she just wrote a tweet and it was just a beautiful tweet. She said, you know, as a, uh, uh, um, as a former debater, I think that the debate mentality is a huge part of the problems in our public discourse debate which many aspiring lawyers do in school teaches you to treat everything like an academic thought experience mm-hmm. experiment rather than real issues that affect actual humans and so the way I think my work is inspiring and liberating theological kind of work uh is I'm trying to in some sense kind of join the long course of people kind of liberating us from the reducing you know, theology to a academic thought experiment and and really pressing us into ways in which, you know, Jesus invites us into. And we know that we should think about human life as real issues affecting real humans. Mm. And so really trying to narrate a better theological anthropology Mm. uh, and theological imagination of how we think about the human, of how we think about, you know, where humanity can go and what we can become, as well as you know, trying to narrate that story with the best of theological thought and tradition uh, uh, as we possibly can. You know, the, the 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 kind of tradition of Christianity is so vast. You know, there's no one thing. There's no one Christianity. There's no one tradition. There are
0: mm-hmm.
1: many mm-hmm. Christianities, many traditions of the faith. If we're being honest to, his, to history, mm-hmm. you know, someone can say semantics. There is only one faith, one Lord, one baptism. I want to love them. You know, we can say we agree with that, you know, but at, at the end of the day, there are so many, you know, socially, culturally, politically, theologically, there are so many traditions of Christian faith. And I'm trying to inspire and liberate theological narratives with with me learning humbly as best I can from the best of our Christian traditions and trying to do some public theological work in like, you know, Yes, theology has something to say in conversation with so many different spaces. So I want to liberate that as well. But as I, as I think about, you know, in another way, you know, how is my work inspiring and liberating theological work? Uh, uh, to think about my work as a noun, as a thing, as an experience, uh, I think you know, to be I, I lean on James Cone that yo being black and Christian is liberating. Mm. I think you know that you know, being black and Christian is a meaningful experience. It's a complex and confusing but also meaningful you know reality. It's reality, you know, that opens up worlds, that opens up plays of uh, places of 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 value and meaning and love uh, or whatnot that you know the things that we produce that that I would say, you know, is, I would say, yeah, the black world is a real world. Uh, and, and so what my work is doing through like, my public work and even in my personal work, it is saying that the black world is a real world. And I want to point people to a people and to a tradition and to a trajectory beyond myself. And so if I can say, you know, one of the things that kind of makes me cringe so much in this moment, particularly in this kind of you know, particularly about Black evangelicals uh, who have sojourned through the evangelical space and are now kind of you know in a public space, it's like you know I'm very skeptical of Black people or even people of color who have sojourned through the evangelical space and now trying to imagine better who don't point to people and traditions beyond themselves. You know, I, I, I don't I don't get it. You know, it's you know it's weird to point back to the very tradition that oppressed and devalued you and treat and treated you like you were second class you know if in some sense we're trying to reimagine ourselves, we have to say that the worlds that we come from is a real world and that it is a world that produced knowledge and culture and thought and experience and you know, it is as Toni Morrison say. Uh, uh, you know, in some sense, uh, the dancing mind. It is, it is a mind that 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 is beautiful and lovely, and it is a mind in the world that we should not should be ashamed of. I'm not ashamed that I come from the Black rural South. That world is real, and I'm trying to learn humbly. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian and a Black dude from the Black rural South who's a writer, trying to, in some sense you know, make all these worlds of Black male Christianity, Southerness uh, or or whatnot, uh, dance together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I feel like my work is inspiring and liberating theological work because it in some sense is trying to humbly embrace my Blackness and trying Mm -hmm. to invite people into You know, my own wrestling and and my own ways of trying to love us and trying to heal my own womb from the ways that I was traumatized, both in my black Pentecostal space, but also in the white evangelical space and trying to, you know, as Alice Walker would say, turn wombs into worlds. And so I'm it's inspiring. Yeah. And it's liberating. Yeah, because I'm doing this work. I'm trying to do this work in the most humble uh, and, and inspiring way as possible. So, yeah, I think that question can be a verb. Uh, uh, of trying to liberate theology and join, join the long tradition of black and womanist uh, uh, theologians and religious scholars and even scholars in black studies. Uh, and, and 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 all kind of black the, the kind of black African American studies and disciplines who's trying to you know do that kind of inspiring liberating work. so I'm actually you know on on the offensive. I'm trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think you, you can pause and kind of see my trajectory over these last three four years as something that is profoundly inspiring mm-hmm. and liberating because it's something that I'm just trying to do and become
0: as well. so yeah. Last question, Dante. How can listeners get connected to you and your work?
1: Yeah, just uh, follow me at Stuart Dante C um, on my socials um, or whatnot, or visit me on my website, DanteCStuart dot com or uh, whatnot. And yeah, I mean, I, I always hit people back. I try and you know, I'm very cordial. I'm very nice person. Oh, uh, uh, whatnot. I'm not hard to get in contact. Even with.
0: West Virginia fans.
1: Uh yeah, even West Virginia. Oh,
0: fans. okay, okay, all right, all right.
1: Even West Virginia fans, you gotta tell people that story, you know, that Clemson kind of wrestling connection. We talked about it off the off the, off the air, but you have to tell people that story. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you hit me up and follow me and follow me on this journey. I'm trying, you know, to do as best I can. You know, yeah, I, to think about that. I think that's real thoughtful of you, you know, to say, to ask that question, what is it, you know, inspiring uh, and liberating uh, as a verb and a noun and a mm-hmm. experience, and so, yeah follow me on that journey.
0: I've been following you on that journey and I, I think you're just absolutely a wonderful human being and I am so excited for all the other things that you'll be doing in the world uh, in the near future. So thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: No doubt, bro. Appreciate you. Come. you.
0: you oh.